Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About? presented by Fenley Road Sports. My name's Bob. As always, I'm hanging out talking sports with my older brother, Chris. Christopher, what's up, man? Not much. I am just trying to get my head around the fact that our mom is the champion of our fantasy baseball league. Yeah, it's hard to uh, come to terms with losing your first fantasy baseball championship to your mother. Uh, something I'll have to live with for the rest of my life, I guess. But yeah, congrats to her. It's it's funny. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I, I mean, shout out to mom. I didn't even make the playoffs. At least you got to the finals. So, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, she's she's the queen of our league, at least for a year. Indeed, yeah. We'll see yeah, if she'll be the first the first back to back champion. That's a tough one. No one's ever done that in our fantasy baseball league. Hmm. I didn't know that. I'm I'm kind of impressed with myself though. I've won it twice. You've yeah. never won it, so you should be more impressed with me. I was at the bottom of the league <laughs> midsummer. <laughs> that, that is true. You had quite a comeback. I will give you that. You were last place. Uh, but this year, and not to talk about our fantasy league the whole time, but this year, the eight teams in our league were really close. I mean, the, the, the team that ultimately finished at the bottom was still in it for a long time, longer than normal, because I know my team wasn't that impressive this year, but I never really felt out of it until the last three or four weeks. Yeah, I think there was like a, this will be the last thing we say about the, our fantasy baseball league, but there was a, a week where the entire playoff picture just shifted and right. All the teams dropped out, and then everybody else came in. The bottom four teams beat the top four teams, like, considerably. They all won, like, eight or more out of ten categories, and it just completely rocked the entire league with, like, a month to go. So that was kind of insane. Right. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, we're not talking about fantasy baseball today. We are talking about football. More football. Uh Three weeks into the NFL season, four weeks into the college football season. So that's uh subject of today. We're going to try and touch on both of them. Uh, you know, three weeks in in the NFL, I think, uh, Chris, there have been some surprises. There have been some teams that are performing just as they should be. Uh, who is the most impressive team in the AFC for you? Well, not to be a homer as a Patriots fan, but how can you not say the New England Patriots? Not that the fact that they're 3-0, and but the fact that they are just destroying people. I mean, they beat Pittsburgh impressively in Week 1. They beat Buffalo impressively, even though the Bills came back and made it a little interesting. That game was pretty well in hand the whole time. And then, of course, Jaguar, the Jaguars, you can't brag about too much, but two pretty strong victories and then a taking care of business victory, which they still racked up a ton of points against. I mean, you look at the points for the points allowed, 119 to 70 for the Patriots in their first three games. Tom Brady looks like a man on a mission. Gronk is just gronking the league. And the defense is better than we expected because in week one, specifically, even though the Steelers did not have Le'Veon Bell or Marcavius Bryant, Patriots did a good job against Antonio Brown. His final stats are deceiving. He had a lot of that. His yards and that touchdown came on the last garbage drive of the game. 
Up until then, they had held in check very well. I think the defense was better than people thought it would be, and that offense hasn't missed a beat. And the better news for the Patriots is that the appeal hearing on Deflategate, I know it's the unspoken thing on this podcast, but it won't occur until February 1st, 2016 at the earliest. That means there is no way Tom Brady misses any games this year. No chance of him being sat down in the playoffs unless they've reached some sort of a settlement, which I can't see him doing. If they settle, they'll settle after the season. So the Patriots fans and anyone who took Tom Brady late in fantasy can just cash in on another what looks to be a very impressive at least start to the season. And if Brady's playing the whole year, certainly the favorites to win the AFC. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to pick anybody else right now who's played as played better than the Patriots especially in the AFC um yeah they they look like men on missions um it's gonna be hard to sustain that emotion I think uh unlike the 2007 Patriots who came out with just oozing talent there are some things to question on the Patriots roster so it'll be interesting to see how long they can sustain this high octane us against the world emotions can they carry it all the way 18 games uh, through the playoffs into the Super Bowl, you know, there there is going to be a letdown. There's going to be a valley. But since that Monday night football blowout against the Chiefs last year, they're 16-2. and two. So this uh, streak of theirs does stretch farther back than just this year. Uh, they're a really good team. It's hard to, hard to argue against that. And even if you throw in those four games, they're 18-4 and four since last year. So, I mean, they've been exceptionally impressive. I, I, I laughed last year when they got blown out on Monday Night Football. Granted, I was very nervous because they looked in disarray. But every, I mean, people were calling Armageddon. I mean, there were legitimate sports writers writing that Tom Brady should be traded and capitalize on his value right now. And I'm thinking, are you serious, people? I mean, it is just one game. Let's not forget that in 2003, they started off 2-2 two and two and went on to win the Super Bowl. Not only that, but they won like 22 straight games, period. So the, the Patriots had a history of starting off maybe a little bit slow. This year, however, is not one of those years. They are looking like they're on a mission, and they are certainly, at least in the AFC, the most impressive team. Uh, But they are not the only team that has made statements in the AFC. Bob, who else do you like in the conference so far through three games? Uh, Well, I think we we are both uh, guilty, and we need to give the Cincinnati Bengals some due. They've raced out to a 3-0 start. Andy Dalton is uh, maybe he has something to prove as well, just like the Patriots. 886 yards, eight touchdowns, and one interception through three games. He's playing as best of, as we've ever seen him, and it doesn't hurt when you're throwing to A.J. Green most of the time. Uh, the Bengals, for me, I think, I, I you know, I picked the Steelers and the Ravens to finish above them. Uh, I I just need to give them some due and give them some props. They've impressed me through three games so far. Certainly the Bengals were also number two on my list. A very impressive start for Cincinnati, especially Andy Dalton, who gets a lot of flack from me included. I don't put Andy Dalton in that sort of elite tier of quarterbacks. But 3-0 and and the way they've won is very impressive. Now I will say this though, they schlacked Oakland week one beat down, certainly something to be proud about. Last two weeks, though, they beat San Diego. It was 24-19. 
and they beat Baltimore 28-24. Now, Baltimore is a team that's had their number, so you can't understate it. But at the same time, Baltimore, we're probably going to talk about them in a little bit here. They've got some issues at 0-3, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But that Baltimore victory might not be as impressive as it was in years past. We don't really know what Baltimore is just yet. If they are having a down year, it could be one of those early season victories that looks good right now, but in hindsight might not look as good. Again, yeah, but what what has impressed me from those three wins, regardless of who they played, is that they've had to throw the ball late, and Andy Dalton has come through. When the pressure's on, he's actually delivered for these three games. Um, that's why... I think that they're the second best team in the AFC right now because he's playing as good as we've ever seen him. And and again, I'm not disagreeing with you. They were number two on my list as well. I got New England one and Cincinnati number two right now. It's hard to, you cannot deny the Bengals what they've done. I would have the Steelers at number two if Ben Roethlisberger hadn't have gotten hurt. But the Bengals right now are the second most impressive team in the AFC. I think that they have a solid defense. It looks like their offense is coming around and starting to become a scary machine. But the thing about them is, and I'm just saying, going forward, they haven't proven that they can do this for a whole year yet, like a team like New England has done, that Pittsburgh's done, that Denver's done before. Let's see if they can sustain this momentum and if Andy Dalton has really taken the next step and risen to the next tier of quarterbacks yeah certainly um i i'm not gonna make a prediction and pronounce dalton as arriving um let's wait until prime time let's wait until the playoffs that's when his meltdowns happen the most but certainly this is the best case scenario for them and hopefully they can get that run game sorted out so that they can take a little bit of pressure off of him but uh all right so who's rounding out your top three one more second, though. Kansas City, Seattle, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh are their next four games. We are going to know, even if Michael Vick's still running the Pittsburgh offense because they have a bye week in there, uh, so that's actually five weeks away in week eight. Uh, in the next four games, we're really going to know what the Cincinnati Bengals are made of. And if they end up getting to 7-0 and or even 6-1, and then, yeah, I think it's time to say that the Bengals have taken the next step. But as you were saying... The third team on my list is actually a team I just mentioned on that schedule. And I'm going to maybe surprise you with this, but I'm going to go the Buffalo Bills. How many people had Tyrod Taylor tearing up the league like he's been? Their only losses to New England, a very respectable loss. They beat the Colts pretty handily. They have looked very impressive so far. The Bills, and they also beat down the Dolphins, a team that I had in the playoffs Buffalo's defense is for real. Buffalo's offense has looked very good. Even with LaShawn McCoy struggling with an injury, even with Tyrod Taylor running the offense, the Bills have impressed me so far. And I say that looking at the ASC landscape with Ben Roethlisberger hurt, how can you not say that they haven't uh, at least earned the right as of right now to be called the third best team? Yeah, I mean, you you certainly make the argument for it. I think... uh... I'm disagreeing with you. I'm taking picking Denver. I know it's a, a cop-out picking the three 3-0 three teams in the AFC, but with wins against a healthy Baltimore team with Terrell Suggs, wins at Kansas City and at Detroit, I think they've just played a little bit more impressively. That defense is incredible, but the Bills, certainly I think they should be number four or number five on my list. Um, 
LaShawn McCoy only has about 46 yards per game, but they, the Bills as a team lead the league in rushing. So with that defense, with the ground and pound attack, this looks exactly like classic Rex Ryan, New York Jets team. So yeah, they are prepping for a, for a good run possibly into the postseason, but uh, the way that Denver has adapted and taken some of the burden off of Peyton Manning, putting that on the defense, I think they deserve to be the number three team. Yeah, I was going back and forth between Buffalo and Denver, and I ultimately chose Buffalo just to give them some love on the podcast. The Denver Broncos have been the most scrutinized 3-0 team ever. I mean, Peyton Manning has not looked great at times, but he still looked really really good and that as you said that defense is exceptionally scary could be the best defensive unit in the AFC I would not want to face that defense at all I don't care who I have at quarterback so certainly I think the Denver Broncos are a worthy team of being number three heck they're they're only three undefeated teams in the AFC but what I'm getting at with Buffalo here I, I do think the biggest question mark is Tyrod Taylor Three games is not enough for a proper evaluation. We got to see if he can do it for the whole year. Rex Ryan, again, he has had some good teams before. He's taken teams to the AFC Championship game, so he has shown that he can do it. But can Tyrod Taylor keep up this momentum? I, I don't know that. Buffalo has started out hot before and faded. So right now, I'm impressed by them, but it's a very it's still 13 games left. We'll see if they can stay around. But Denver... I'm not going to bash you for picking them third. I certainly have been impressed by their defense and think that they've got one heck of a team. Yeah, definitely. So talked about the top of the AFC. What team is hanging at the bottom that you think is going to make a run uh, possibly into the postseason? Well, I certainly think you're, 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 you're talking about a rebound team right now. I think the Indianapolis Colts starting off one and two are definitely going to rebound and be better and get to the postseason because they play in a division where everyone's one and two. So I yeah. certainly think that the Colts are going to rebound and at least make the playoffs, even though they have not been very impressive. They have the great fortune of playing in the AFC South. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they got uh, they went up against two really stout defenses in the Bills and the Jets and really couldn't do anything. Um, I think that's the MO that we're familiar with with the Colts, but absolutely, they're going to pull it out. Uh, those other three teams in the AFC South, the Jags, the Texans, and Titans, they haven't impressed me either, so they have six games against them. They should. To be fair, the Titans almost beat them. I mean, not beat them, but they almost tied that game on that two-point conversion. So. Oh, certainly, yeah. They have I struggled. Mean, yeah, the Colts have struggled. Um titans are are showing promise the jags i think are showing a little bit of promise but the colts are are still above them in terms of talent and and skill wise uh, they're gonna win that division absolutely can my bounce back team also be my biggest disappointment so far sure because uh roll it all i picked the (laughs) i picked the ravens to win the super bowl on this podcast i picked them twice now i can't jump off the bandwagon this quickly they're 0-3 in the nfc north terrell suggs out with an achilles tear uh, justin Forsett is averaging i think two yards per rushes right now they're just a mess their defense their secondary is a mess 
but they're the Ravens. I have to trust in them that they are going to get a little bit of a bounce back. They're going to readjust and maybe like they did a couple years ago, sneak into the postseason in a wild card spot. Well, first off, I think the one alarming game is the Oakland game. I mean, losing to Denver on the road, understandable. Losing to Cincinnati, understandable. But losing to Oakland, even without Terrell Suggs, and giving up, thirty, I think, 37 points, that's the one that raised some flags. Now, here's the thing. I agree with you. I think they can bounce back. A, they get a meatball against Pittsburgh this week. So... No Ben Roethlisberger. They should win that game. They have to win that game. You play a backup quarterback, you got to win. Secondly, after that, they get 10 days to prepare for the mighty Cleveland Browns, who they get to play twice on their schedule. I think the Ravens will get to 2-3, and three, and I think that they will be fine. I agree with you. I think that they are the one of the biggest disappointments in the AFC, but I also think that they are a team capable of rebounding. To switch gears, though, my biggest disappointment is the Miami Dolphins. The Dominican Sioux was supposed to make that scary defense even scarier, and it has just not worked out. Not worked out in real time and not worked out for my fantasy team because I believed in that defense when I drafted them in fantasy, and they are kind of a mess right now. I mean, where do you even begin? I mean, Buffalo humiliated them. They couldn't get a sack against the Jaguars two weeks ago. I believe that's their only win. So the Dolphins, I think, are a pretty big mess. The only bright spot is that the passing game is actually pretty respectable. Ryan Tannehill's having a solid season. Jarvis Landry's having a solid season. So if they could just get that defense playing up to par, I think that they maybe could turn it around. But starting off 1-2 and two is not what... Miami had in mind no definitely not especially in the division where the Bills and Jets have been two of the biggest surprises in the AFC so now you're what you're playing in what's looking like the most stacked division in the AFC right now um I kind of suspected that this would happen uh in our preview podcast I wasn't as sold on them um you know and Dominican Sue there's no doubt that when he is locked in he's probably the most game-changing guy in the trenches but there's always the concern that what if he gets that big payday and just checks out mentally? There was that report that he was ignoring play calls already. Three weeks into the season, he's already rebelling against the coach, maybe. That's a concern. Uh, it's the same old issues. They have a, a suspect defense, a suspect pass defense, and they still can't run the ball. So until they can figure those three thing, things out, uh, I think they're going to keep disappointing you, man. One last thing, one correction, they lost to Jacksonville. They beat Washington. So look at this schedule. Washington, Jacksonville, Buffalo. Then they play the Jets in Wembley. By week, Tennessee and Houston. That's the easy part of their schedule. I'm sorry. Houston and Buffalo, the two toughest games, they're 1-2 on the easy part of their schedule. I mean, you lose to Jacksonville, you struggle to beat Washington, that's not good because after that Houston game, New England, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Dallas, the Jets, Baltimore. I mean, it gets a lot tougher in the after week seven for the Dolphins. So if they're struggling now, if they don't get this together soon and pile up some wins here, it could be a very long season in Miami. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move to the other conference. Um, one Again, I... 
I wasn't sold on the Bengals and I wasn't sold on this other team, the Arizona Cardinals, and they have just come out in a storm. They actually have scored the most points out of all the teams in the league, 126 points in the last three games. It's the fourth most point total in the first three games uh, in NFL history. So they are back in a vengeance. Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer, two guys with big injury concerns, but they are seem to be going out all cylinders and playing at a great level. That defense uh, evaporated Colin Kaepernick uh, into just vapor the last week. They 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 destroyed him. He, they like it was it was terrible. Uh, I am incredibly impressed by the Arizona Cardinals. And they are my number one team in the NFC right now. If they stay healthy, they have a good stable of backs. Carson Palmer is a good leader at quarterback, and that defense looks great. So I think they're set for a big year, and they're my number one team. If they stay healthy, that's the key. They are my number two team only because wins over New Orleans and Chicago and San Francisco. It's good to be 3-0. and They have not played anyone very tough just yet. And I'm not trying to undermine what they've accomplished. What they've done is exceptionally impressive. And 3-0, you can't scoff at. But, and they get St. Louis this week. Then they get Detroit, Pittsburgh with Vic, Baltimore who's struggling, and Cleveland. So their first eight games, it's pretty much set up for them to be 6-2 or 7-1 with the way that they're playing. After the bye week, things get a little tougher. Two keys. One, how are they going to respond when the schedule gets a little tougher? And two, can Carson Palmer stay healthy? If Carson Palmer gets injured like last year, they're going to go nowhere. But if Palmer's healthy, this team is good enough. They've always had the defense, for at least for the last couple years. This team is good enough to contend, and I'm certainly impressed by them. They're number two on my list only because the teams they've beaten are not that impressive. I understand. So uh, who is your number one? Well, it's the Green Bay Packers. I mean, this Aaron Rodgers, he's the defending MVP. The Pack have looked great. Again, they've beaten Chicago, but they've also beaten Seattle and Kansas City. A little bit more impressive competition. And that that Kansas City game wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. Seattle is a team that has had their number over the last few years. They finally got that monkey off their back. I know Seattle was struggling a little bit, but... Green Bay has looked impressive. Aaron Rodgers has had that offense firing all cylinders, even without Jordy Nelson. So the Pack, to me, are the number one team in the AFC, in the NFC, excuse me, just because of their consistency. They've shown that they can do it, that they've done it over the last few years, and they can do it for a full season. And Aaron Rodgers, again, defending league MVP. Until proven otherwise, I'm going to keep Green Bay at number one. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Um it's just, I think that's to be expected with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Cardinals just kind of surprised me, but definitely some impressive wins. Aaron Rodgers, 10 TD passes, no interceptions. Those first three games uh, hasn't been done since Peyton Manning in 2013. So uh, yeah, they're clicking on all cylinders. I think that defense is is on the up as well, maybe a bit, a bit better than it's ever been. So they are ready. I'm sorry. I just like how you said that hasn't been done since two years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it was just funny. It's Well, Peyton Manning's 12 TDs in 2013 without an interception is the most 
TDs without interception of all time. Aaron Rodgers is second of all he time. He threw like so. six of them on Thursday Night Football against the Ravens or something crazy like that that year too. I remember that. That was insane. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think we could go a number of different ways with our third pick. Um, I'm actually going with the Carolina Panthers. I think for reasons just like you said with the Packers, Cam Newton is doing has led his team 3-0 and without his number one target in Kelvin Benjamin. And he's also accounted for all seven of the Panthers' offensive touchdowns, five passing touchdowns and two rushing scores. I think Cam Newton is uh, here to stay, and I think he <laughs> it's time to forget about all the things in the past. He's a really good quarterback and seems to be a really good leader. That defense is really good, leads the league in sacks. They added Jared Allen. Uh, so they're only going to rush the passer even more, I guess. But they've impressed me going 3-0. and I know they haven't played the most impressive of competition, the Jaguars, Texans, and Saints. But uh, to do what they're doing with the limited resources on offense, it's impressed me. And the Saints without Drew Brees. So, yeah, the schedule has not been impressive. But, again, they have their offense certainly has been, given what injuries they've had. We didn't know who their wide receivers would be. Greg Olson has stepped up. That defense has always been scary. And yeah, I think Cam Newton gets a little too much flack. When he came into the league, I thought this guy was going to be a stud, and he certainly has been. He has carried the Panthers at times. Sometimes he has been the Panthers' offense, like he is now. So I certainly think the Panthers are very worthy of that three spot. But I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to pick Atlanta, 3-0, and and Julio Jones is a monster. I mean, this guy, I mean, I feel like every time I look up, the guy is just killing it. He had 141 yards against the Eagles, 164 yards against the Cowboys, and that Cowboys win comes with a bit of a caveat. They were facing Brandon Whedon, but they were also down 28-14 to on the road in that game, and they came back and destroyed them 39-28. So pretty impressive that they faced some adversity on the road, came back, They went into New York. The Giants beat them. They beat Philadelphia in week one. Again, these are pretty close victories against teams that are okay. But the fact that the Falcons are 3-0, that Matt Ryan is off to a good start, that Julio Jones has stepped up and become kind of a monster, I think the Falcons maybe are finally ready to play up to the potential that I thought they've had the last couple years because I think I picked them to win the Super Bowl two years ago, and that didn't work out too well. Yeah, definitely. Um, The... I'm still concerned with that defense. I don't think they have enough playmakers, but they have Dan Quinn, who was the defensive coordinator in Seattle. So maybe they have the guy that can do it, that can that can eke out a little bit of more uh, production on the defensive side. But as long as Matt Ryan is throwing the ball 15 times to Julio Jones a night, they, I think they have a chance. As long as, as Julio keeps playing at this level, uh, yeah, they certainly have a chance. And they have... Uh, definitely impressed me more than more than i thought so out of nowhere the nfc south has two three and oh teams well i mean out of nowhere yeah but i mean i don't think anyone thought it was going to be as bad as it was last year i think that having all four teams with losing records is a bit of an anomaly and there was a lot of talent in that division with the panthers and the falcons i think we each kind of saw those two teams being solid this year yeah yeah i thought they were gonna well i think i've I'm not going to say who I picked to win the, win the NFC South. But but the thing is, though, the Falcons have given up 72 points so far. So you are right to be concerned about that defense. That is something that could ultimately hold them back a little bit. But they're 3-0, and that's always a good place to be. 
Yeah, certainly. So who are you picking for a bounce back team? Well, it's the easy one. I mean, this really is a softball, but it's the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they started off 0-2 without Cam Chancellor. The Chancellor of Defense is back, and they beat up on the Bears to kind of right the ship a little bit. They got Jimmy Graham a little bit more involved in their last game, and their two losses came to Green Bay and St. Louis, so not exactly the easiest of competition on the road. And so I think the Seahawks are going to be just fine. They still have a great home field advantage. That's going to get them seven to eight wins this year. They can play 500 on the road, get to 11 or 12 wins, and be A-OK. I don't think it's time to panic on the Seahawks. They've won this conference two straight years. They're going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. That has to be the bounce-back team. One and two is a, not a good place to be, but uh, I trust in the Seahawks. I, I read a tweet that said... Uh, the Seattle cover three without the Seattle Legion of Boom is just really bad cover three. And without Cam <laughs> Chancellor, uh, the Seahawks were kind of figuring that out themselves. I mean, he is a vital cog in that defense and uh, kind of proved that he's indispensable. So hopefully he's going to get uh, rewarded for for that in the offseason. Um, more concerning than that for me with Seattle is, one, Marshawn Lynch – something is wrong with his hamstring uh he needs to get healthy and that offensive line has not played well through three games and if they can't fix that if they with all the read options and all the screen play that they do to to kind of mitigate the weakness on the offensive line they they just need some kind of production from from the o-line and it needs to get better otherwise that power run game that is at the center of it all isn't really going to be there no, that O-line is definitely a concern. Lynch, I'm not too concerned about. I think he might miss this week uh, to rest that hamstring. I think he'll be okay in the long run, but that Rawls kid looked really good last week. So maybe the future Marshawn Lynch is developing behind them. Yeah, I think th- I think they'll be okay in the future, but just looking forward into the postseason where I, where I see them playing, uh, some concerns well, to look at. And then the problem with starting off one and two, losing a head-to-head to Green Bay, is now you're essentially three games behind the Packers for home field because even if you catch up on two, they have the tiebreaker. And that is a lot to make up. And having home field for Seattle has been critical for them these last couple years. So that could hurt them in the long run. But I think as far as just getting to the playoffs and bouncing back, they'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. I think uh biggest disappointment is a, pretty big softball as well how can it not be the philadelphia eagles and what they did those first two games demarco murray 21 attempts 11 yards and a touchdown that's your big signing uh sam bradford your your starting quarterback through three games uh 62 percent completion percentage 678 yards three touchdowns and four interceptions uh it started off a mess and if not for uh, getting the Jets maybe coming maybe a little surprised to be 2-0 and I, I don't know uh, they might be riding the ship but I, I, don't, I don't I'm not sold on the, on, the, on this Eagles team they I think they're gonna continue to disappoint well here's the thing next two weeks Washington and New Orleans maybe maybe not with Drew Brees I think Drew Brees will be back by week five so I, I certainly a chance to even the ship or at least get to three and two if they don't then yeah you can really be alarmed i certainly think that they are one of the more disappointing teams in the nfc given all the hype 
and the spotlight and the focus that was on them for blowing up a back-to-back 10-win team, bringing in, swapping Bradford, Foles for Bradford, swapping LaShawn McCoy for Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray, letting Jeremy Macklin go for basically nothing, bringing in Kiko Alonso, who I thought was a good trade, but he has been banged up a little bit and so hasn't fully recovered. All of the major moves Chip Kelly has made as the GM have not worked out. Chip Kelly, the coach, showed that he could win 10 games back-to-back year, but this year is evaluating Chip Kelly, the GM, and so far, Chip Kelly, the GM, is 1-2, and and it's not looking good. Yeah, definitely not. Another one of those pieces that he acquired, Kiko Alonso for LaShawn McCoy, he's getting arthroscopic knee surgery, so yeah, the GM Chip Kelly... Yeah, GM Chip Kelly is not looking looking so hot. Uh, the, the Eagles only, offense. The, I'm sorry. The only thing he can feel good about is that Nick Foles and Mashawn McCoy aren't exactly lighting up the world. Like Foles is having a good year, but McCoy has not lit it up in Buffalo just yet. So he can at least feel good that the two main guys he got rid of, and Jeremy Macklin too, isn't. They, they're not like lighting up the world. They're doing solid, but not great. Yeah, definitely, but. The guys you got to replace them are, are probably doing worse. I mean, yeah, no, I, I would Nelson take all Aguilar. three of those guys. I would take all three of those guys over the guys they got right now. Yeah, definitely. The Eagles' offense the past few years has been predicated on the deep pass, and uh, Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez attempted more deep passes than just about anybody in the league. Bradford's long of the season is 32 yards. Uh, 29 other quarterbacks have a longer pass completion than Sam Bradford at this point. Uh, I, I don't. Do, I don't think. I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just did not understand why they thought Bradford was better than Foles. I still don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes no sense. He's not he's more expensive and he's got a weaker arm. I don't and he's more injury prone. I I don't understand it either. And, and Foles has one bad year with some injuries and they give up on him. He's been in the league for two years going into this year. He had one great year. And one bad, and they give up on him. I don't understand that for a guy who hasn't really proven anything. Bradford hasn't proven anything in the NFL. Yeah, I'd, uh, why not either draft a guy or stick with Mark Sanchez, who I think played really well yeah, last year. He played very well in that system, filling in for Foles. I, yeah, I didn't get that at all. It didn't just made no sense. Yeah, well, we'll continue to see, and uh, Demarco Murray fantasy owners around the world are still crying. And so are Marshawn Lynch owners too, man. They're, they're, it has been a brutal year for fantasy. I feel like a lot of teams are devastated this year. And there's only like a couple teams that are like, yay, we're fine. There have been a lot of injuries. Very, Yeah, I mean, it happens every year. Uh, you just got to keep drafting the stable, man. That's That's my strategy. But I feel like it's a little bit more this year than it has been in years past. I feel like this year's been a little bit heavier on the injuries. Um, you're probably right, especially on the top end. I mean, it's probably, if you, if you looked at it, it's probably no different, but it's just the stars that are getting hurt and not the, uh, not the number twos or threes. Right, right. I guess I'm saying that, that it's been more impactful because there've been a lot of big names getting hurt. I mean, I I bet injuries on a whole are probably the same, but I think there's bigger players getting hurt this year. Yeah. It's all about depth in fantasy football though. That's true, and my teams don't have that much of it right now. But anyway, switching to future fantasy stars who are playing in college right now. It's been four games. Non-conference slate is over, except for those weird teams that play conference games early. 
because they have rivals late. But for the most part, non-conference is over. Heading into conference play, a lot has happened. Still a lot to go, but Bob, it's time for us to pick, if we were the selection committee right now, which teams would we place in the college football playoff? And I will let you do the honors first. Uh, I think Ole Miss definitely deserves to get in there. Beating Alabama, uh, having the SEC brand behind them, uh, I think they're definitely in playoff contention on most people's lists, and and they're on my top four. I would agree. They are also one of my four teams. Now, I seeded my teams. I would have seeded them second if I'm seeding this. So, But, yeah, certainly right now Ole Miss has grabbed the SEC by the horns and is in the driver's seat by beating Alabama. If they win out, they will be the SEC champion, and I think the SEC champion is definitely going to get into the college football playoff. Even if the SEC champion has two losses, I could see the SEC champ still being there. So, yes, Ole Miss has been solid through first four games. We'll see if they can do it for the rest of the season, but right now they are in my college football playoff. Okay, moving forward, uh, I bet we're going to disagree on the rest of them. Next up, I have Notre Dame in there. Wow, see, you, you hated on Notre Dame in your vlog. You hated on them a little bit. I don't think it's going to last, but uh, just going on what has happened in the first four weeks, I think they've been they've been very impressive considering I don't know how many season-ending injuries they have on their starting depth chart, but it's a ton, including at the quarterback position with Zalik out. Um, so... Yeah, they've impressed me. I mean, a win against Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech went on to to lose against Duke, but it was still an impressive win. Uh, they beat Texas, which I I know is uh, doesn't have the record, but they certainly have the prestige and name. So I think through four games, Notre Dame is certainly a playoff contender. Notre Dame is on my bubble. I did not have them in my four, so that's our first disagreement. And now I'm going to put up the softball shocker, but I do have the Buckeyes still in the college football playoff. Look, they're 4-0. I know they haven't been that impressive in, in, in the Northern Illinois game, but they bounced back, got it together against Western Michigan. They beat down Hawaii. They beat Virginia Tech on the road. They've taken care of business. They have the Florida State factor. They are not going to be left out of the field if they're undefeated. Now, I don't think Ohio State can sustain a loss, but if they're undefeated, they're going to be there. They're not going to be left out. A 13-0 team from a power conference that's a defending champ that hasn't lost since week two of last year. No way they don't get left in. So as long as Ohio State keeps winning, they're in my four. Yeah, they're, they're in my my four as well. I I was debating taking them out, but it's they're, they're the champion. So until they lose, it's hard to – they have to have a ticket to defend their title. So, yeah, um, they'll probably be in my four for a really long time because they don't play anybody, but – no, they don't, uh, and I'm <laughs> freely admitting that. I mean, look, their schedule until Michigan State is pretty easy. I wouldn't sleep on Penn State, though. Penn State always gets up for Ohio State. They have a solid quarterback, but other than that, the schedule is pretty manageable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if at any point they lose before Michigan State, I think you can count them out of the playoff. I, I, don't, I think they're on a very short leash. In I think even if they lose to Michigan State, they, they cannot lose. I don't think that they have enough teams on their schedule to bounce back from an early loss. They have to beat Michigan State, and they have to beat Michigan, who has been a surprise team this year. So I think when they get those two wins at the end, their schedule will look better, but they cannot lose to anyone. No, certainly. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. 
All right, so rounding out my top four, I had uh, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and I'm going with UCLA. They have wins against Virginia, BYU, and at Arizona. As of right now, they are sitting on top of the Pac-12. I know Utah is up and coming, but Arizona State, Stanford, and USC have all faced losses so far. UCLA has been pretty impressive with what they've done. I know they're starting an 18-year-old freshman quarterback, so that's probably going to bite them in the back at some point in the season. But four weeks in, I think they've impressed enough in the Pac-12 to be in the driver's seat for it. And if if they win the Pac-12, I think they're certainly deserving of a playoff spot. I would agree with you. UCLA is actually in my four as well. And I also said that UCLA-Utah game could decide that playoff spot if both of them keep winning. That is a showdown to circle now on November 21st. That would be for the Pac-12 South. Possible rematch with Oregon, but you got to be impressed with the way Utah beat Oregon like a drum last week. I mean, that was a hello, we've arrived moment for the Utah Utes. So while I have UCLA in the playoff, I did make a note that Utah could take that spot if they beat UCLA on that big game. But hey, by the time we get to it, it may not be as big of a game. We don't know what these two teams are going to do. I but think right Utah now, has Utah has a bit of a rocky schedule getting to that game. Um, true, one big game. I know it's against Oregon, who has is is a really big school, but uh, that's not enough for me for you to come out of nowhere and and take control of the Pac-12. So I have to I have to wait and see. I think they definitely impressed and they've arrived for sure, but I have to wait and see for them. I'm going to disagree. I think they've played two big games. We just didn't realize the Michigan game was a big game when it was. Michigan almost beat them. It was 24-17. And what Michigan's done since that game has told me that Michigan might be a little bit ahead of the curve. They have impressed me so far. And I think that Michigan at 3-1 and beating BYU, beating Oregon State, certainly has shown that that early victory against the the Wolverines was a little bit more impressive. So I think that they've beaten two teams, Michigan and Oregon. And I think that they're, they're worthy of sort of being in consideration. I don't have them in yet. I have UCLA in. But I think Utah could be the second best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm just – Michigan, I got to see more from them before I'm ready to pronounce them back or, or a good team yet. I know that, I know they they have a winning record. And, yeah, the BYU victory is – somewhat impressive but i I mean that magic was going to end at some point um well i mean byu lost to ucla and you kind of use that to prop up ucla so i mean you can't i guess you can't have it both ways with byu no but ucla has beaten arizona true i no, no i'm not saying look i'm not saying ucla isn't impressive but I, i do think utah has played their way to the point where they can play their way into the field that's all i'm saying um, yeah, no, I I'm, I totally agree with you there. I mean, right. they're right there. If they win, they, they should be in. My fourth team, though, because we did have one disagreement, I still had TCU in there. And again, the TCU-Baylor game is going to be big. They're both undefeated, even though they have struggled. I, I, I still think the makeup call is going to go to the Big 12 if they have an undefeated champion there. So I think that TCU and Baylor both control their own destiny for that final playoff spot. But another curveball, if Oklahoma wins it, they certainly could get it too. So I think the Big 12 champ will be there right now. I have TCU. And yeah, so not much has changed on that front. 
The only thing yeah. in my bracket that's really changed is that Mississippi has leaped in because Alabama, they beat Alabama, and UCLA has impressed me. I don't have Michigan State in there, even though I had them in my original bracket, because I said if Oregon wins the Pac-12, they have to have that caveat of saying we beat another Power 5 champion to get in. And now that Oregon could still win the Pac-12 but is not in the driver's seat anymore, I bump Michigan State down. I think that Ohio State-Michigan State game is going to be for a playoff spot now. And I don't necessarily think both will get in anymore. Yeah, definitely. And if Oregon even gets that Pac-12 championship with two losses, it's not. it still isn't as prestigious as what it would have been if Michigan State had that. Well, no, I still. If they get there with two losses and to UCLA and Michigan State, it still would be a big win. I mean, you're talking about what an 11 and two team that won the Pac-12, arguably the deepest conference in America right now. I mean, we debated Big Ten versus SEC. Maybe we should have debated the Pac-12 versus the SEC because the Pac-12 has been very impressive. Yeah, I mean, they have been. They, I we were debating like a legacy issue more oh, so. No, I understand. <laughs> No, they they they've, they're definitely impressive. I think uh, they're the Wild West right now. You don't really know who's on top or who's in the middle. So for them, I have to just kind of wait and see who's who's playing out. But uh, I like yeah, that it, the Wild West because they're out west. Yeah, but That's back to your TCU saying. pick. I mean, did you see that Texas Tech game? They won. That's all that matters. Yeah, they barely won, and I'm not I'm not making anything of barely wins but tcu has just not been uh as impressive as i thought they've been so that's they're sitting on my bubble and you're absolutely right if they go undefeated if when they play baylor i mean they should definitely be there but i think the big 12 has more than just two good teams like i thought they had going into the season i think oklahoma's pretty good i think texas tech uh could be a spoiler to baylor when they come through so uh we'll have to see a lot of football to be played. I mean, these are very early college football brackets. A lot of teams can play their way in. Heck, Georgia is starting to get into the meat of its schedule. We didn't even mention them, mainly because they haven't been that tested yet. Uh, LSU has had a pretty solid win, too. So, I mean, they beat down Auburn pretty well. So, again, a lot of teams can play their way in here. But, you know, when we're taking the temperature of the time, as far as I go, um, you know, Ohio State and TCU started in my bracket. They have done nothing to prove that they shouldn't be in my bracket. They're 4-0. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they struggle a little bit. UCLA has played their way in. Mississippi has played their way in. And with Oregon losing in conference, that hurts Michigan State big time. I had to say that I don't necessarily think uh, uh, the Big Ten is positioned to get two teams in or any power conference is positioned to get two teams in right now four games in. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, It's not a terribly exciting week in college football, but we do have a couple of big games with Georgia playing Alabama and Notre Dame going to Clemson, so that might shake up my bracket as well. Oh, it's certainly going to shake up the bracket. Anytime, every week's going to have some sort of bracket buster. I do love, though, every week on ESPN, they always try to hype up the college football week. They say, there aren't a lot of great games, but there's enough for you to watch all day. You know what I mean? They're always right. trying to hype it up. We have a spread from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. for you to watch. That... Right. I don't know. But that Georgia-Alabama game is definitely going to be a very significant one as far as a lot of college football playoff fates are concerned. Yep. Alrighty, so that's where we stand on football. 
I don't know if you guys have followed the Olympics in a year before the Olympics, but we're talking about the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. 18 proposed events, 5 proposed sports. And they are baseball and softball as one sport, karate, skateboarding, sports, climbing, and surfing. Those are the five sports up for consideration. Now, obviously, they have different events, like karate has different weight classes. There's men's and women's divisions. So 18 total events, but five sports. So, Bob, of those five sports, which one would you place in the 2020 Olympics if you had the ultimate decision? I'm tempted to pick baseball, softball, just because I like watching Olympic softball, and I'm sad that 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 it went away. I don't really care for Olympic baseball that much. And we had the World Baseball Classic. Karate sounds cool, but uh, the Olympic fighting things just aren't that exciting to actually watch. I'm going with sports climbing. I think that would be sweet, like bouldering and parkour stuff. Like these, I'm sure there are amazingly talented people out there, and it would be one of those events that you never get to see except for at the Olympics, and you are blown away by the talent. See, I'm torn too because I really want softball to be back in the Olympics. I don't think baseball should be in the Olympics because the major leagues are never going to send anyone. They're not going to interrupt their season for it. But that was awesome, Olympic softball. That was their World Cup, their championship, their everything. I think softball should get in, baseball not. And I know that's kind of cheating. But I kind of, I don't know. I mean, I think skateboarding would be kind of cool too. I mean, you know, the X Games are super popular. It would definitely draw a young crowd. And, I mean, gosh, man, you and I used to play that Tony Hawk game way back when in high school. Heck, it may be even eighth grade for me. So, I mean, skateboarding has been just on the rise for a very long time. I think an inclusion in the Olympic Games would be, you know, pretty a pretty significant step for the sport. I think it would be significant in legitimizing it, but they have the X Games, and I'm just kind of, like, if you that you can you can see it like it's on national television if you want to if if you want to seek it out i guess i've never seen people freak out about parkour (laughs) i think it'd be cool to see no i guess that's true and and that's a good point i mean with softball and sports climbing and even uh karate you wouldn't get a chance to see those games normally i mean surfing's on skateboarding's on and baseball obviously is everywhere but and I don't like what they've done with the X Games. They have like an X Games like every other week now. It used to just yeah, be it's like a tour. Event. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. I liked it better when it's just a big event instead of a tour. Yeah, me too. But alrighty, so I think the two of us instead of picking one sport, we've picked like well, you picked one sport. I picked like four, so I choose. Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> But it's I don't right. think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna take into our opinion. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. If anything, I mean, well, it is in Tokyo. I mean, that might. They play love their baseball. It. They love their ba- Well, yeah, they do love their baseball. I, I would say karate too. Oh yeah. So, that certainly that certainly could play a factor into it. I don't know. We'll see what they decide. If they decide anything, I mean, they could just say no to all of them and say whatever. But. <laughs> We'll find out in a few years, I guess. That's not until 2020 again. Hopefully softball gets it. But if not, I, I wouldn't mind seeing sports climbing or really any of the ones that aren't on regularly, like you said. But 
Alrighty, we've crammed a ton into this podcast. Hope you enjoyed another football co- podcast. But with baseball winding down, we are certainly going to get hyped for the MLB playoffs next week. So please come back for that. Please also continue to follow us on Twitter at FenleyRDSports, Instagram at FenleyRO80Sports. We are at FenleyRoadSports.com. You can find our podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe. We appreciate your support. And as always, come back next week for more sports talk with me and Bob. Until then, take care. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take care, Bob.